0: So join us, if you will, as we take a little trip back in time to the year 1977. Eric, a lot of good things came out in 1977.
1: I was seven years old. Star Wars.
0: Oh, yes. The Eagles Hotel, California. Mm, Classic. Young man that you might know. Throw me uh, out of the bus here? Well, it was me. Oh, oh. I was born in 1977. Uh, As a matter of fact, it was my birthday a couple days ago. Well, happy belated birthday. But in the city of Dover in Massachusetts... Over the span of a couple of days, and maybe a little longer, they saw a creepy little fella <laughs> kind of roaming around. I won't say he terrorized anybody, but he definitely sent a chill down the spine, made some people uncomfortable. And he's known nowadays as the Dover Demon. Mm. So that's uh, this is the fella we're going to talk about tonight. Join us if you will.
1: From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway.
0: The Dover Demon is described as a small humanoid creature, very similar to the common gray alien. And I believe if you, in your research, Eric, if you saw pictures of it online. I actually have a picture pulled up here, yes. Very, very much like a gray alien, uh, except for it was described as having rosy tan colored skin. Uh, He did have the large head on a small stick-like body. He could walk on all fours or upright as, you know, situation required uh, and would switch between both styles seamlessly. His, had the large, large eyes that would glow. They were usually glowing orange, but at least one occasion they were documented to glow green. I talk a little bit about that, yeah. He did not wear any clothing. and was not associated with- He's a
1: with, nakey, nakey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to <laughs> run around naked. Uh, and was not associated with any UFO sightings at the time. And I'm going to get into that a little bit. Why wasn't he associated with you? He looks very much like an alien. Very much, yeah. But there may be a reason for this.
1: Being the historian, of course, I wanted to dive into a little bit of Dover, Massachusetts. That's nestled along the banks of the Charles River, uh, roughly 15, 16 miles southwest of Boston.
0: And that's important, the river. We'll have have to remember that
1: detail. Yes. Now, the small town of Dover had historically led a quiet and unassuming existence. As of the 2020 census, it only had 5,923 people reported to live there. The entire area encompasses only about 15 square miles, even counting all of its rural communities. It is known for heavy snowfall and really nothing more. That is, until that date in 1977. (laughs) There was really no one famous from here, no major historical events, so the small town just kind of seemed doomed to be remembered as just Dover, until that Easter time frame of Course, 1977, when it would all firmly be connected in the history books of cryptozoology as the Dover Demon. As Bill said, kind of a a gray type alien, what we would assume by looking at the pictures. About three and a half foot tall, humanoid characteristic, standing semi erect, often kind of uh, sitting on its hind legs almost, uh, and over grossly oversized head was often used to describe.
0: Yeah. this all starts April 21st, 1977 at about 10.32 p.m. 17-year-olds Bill Bartlett, Mike Mazoka, and Andy Brody first saw the demon while they were driving along at night. Now, Bartlett was behind the wheel that day, that night, when he saw something creeping along a low wall of loose stone near the side of the road, which, if you go there today in Dover, that wall's still there. They sort of showed pictures of it on some websites. Uh, this was on the left side of the road. Now, at first, Bill thinks this is a, a dog or a cat.
1: Yeah, right? household you know,
0: pet you see that kind of thing all the time until his lights shine on it now when his lights illuminate this creature he sees a large a large-eyed creature with eyes shining like two orange marbles with again that, that overshaped watermelon shaped head on a thin neck Now, uh, they said it had tendril-like fingers. The way the fingers were described is they would curl around things. They would curl around the rock. They would curl around, not like our fingers, you know, like you you have the joints, but almost like tentacles or tendrils in a way. Well,
1: in in the sketches, I saw it also had almost like little suction cups on the tip, almost like a tree frog or, you know, something along those lines.
0: Yeah, He described it as being completely hairless with skin, the texture of wet sandpaper. Now I'm assuming a, he's guessing pretty, what it looks like. I'm, I'm like, yeah. that's a pretty close observation,
1: you know, the, the skin like sandpaper.
0: Yeah, but he, he said it was no more than three and a half, maybe four feet tall, and it was climbing along the wall until the headlights shined on it. Now, neither of his companions that night saw the creature, and before he could point it out, they had already driven past the demon.
1: Yeah, I think the the other guy in the front seat had kind of like rotated this, of course back before seatbelts and everything. Yeah. was a big deal, and he was talking to the person in the back. They weren't even, they were oblivious. They what not yeah. paying attention where he was going.
0: Um, Bartlett continued on his trip, dropped his friends off, and then returned home. And his father noticed right away that something was out of the ordinary. He asked him a couple times what was going on, what was what was wrong, and then finally Bill explained to his dad what he had seen. And, and you know, his family was obviously had some concern. But what do you do when you see something like that? You know, he saw something they didn't know what it was. I'm sure they probably downplayed it.
1: And I think it was about that point he kind of did some rough sketches too that comes into yes the, the storyline.
0: So, later on, I think that same evening, mm-hmm. same evening, about 2 hours later, yeah, 15-year-old John Baxter reports seeing a similar creature. Now, this is on Miller Hill Road about midnight. He's leaving his girlfriend's house, a uh, Miss Kathy Cronin, and this is the there, yeah, it's the south end of Miller High Road. But a half an hour later, after he's walked maybe a mile, he sees this figure approaching him. Now the figure is very short, and he's got a friend, an M.G. Bouchard, who's apparently, you know, not very tall. And he assumes it's his friend who also lives on the street. You know, his buddy's coming out to say hi or spook him or whatever. So he calls out, "Hey, hey, you know, hey, how, how, hey, buddy, what's going on?" Uh, and he gets no response from the figure. So he, they continue to approach one another, and then Baxter stops. He kind of gets a weird vibe, and he's like, "Who's that?" Now, the night's overcast. You really can't see what's going on, only the shadow of this this person.
1: Now, there was a streetlight that was here as well, and the, the person creature, like, intentionally did not yes. step into the streetlight.
0: Now, Baxter takes a step forward, and the figure then scurries off to the left. It runs down a shallow wooded gully and then up the opposite bank, and Baxter can hear the footsteps and the leaves and, and the, you know, the, the detritus on the ground as it does. Uh, he follows it down the slope. And and then he stops at the bottom and he looks across the other side of the gully. It's then that he sees the creature standing up top of the, the ridge there, uh standing in silhouette. It's about thirty feet away. And he said its feet were molded around the top of the rock. So that goes back to what I was talking about with its its fingers earlier. Yeah. It's got like man, I don't it's hard to say. Like like his tendrils or tentacles yeah. or they're not really like fingers or or toes. They're not jointed, they just kinda fit around whatever they're touching. Now, he said the body reminded him of a monkey, except for what he called dark figure eight shaped eyes, which I'm not. I guess that means probably big eyes that were kind of close together. I would
1: assume. Yeah. Now, he described red glowing eyes in this instance, too, which I'll get into a little bit more.
0: He said its eyes were two lighter spots in the middle of its head, and he could tell this creature was looking straight at him. So now he sees that this isn't a person. You react like anybody's going to react. This is making him uncomfortable. It makes him uneasy. And he's, I think he,
1: he suddenly realizes, yeah, I've removed myself yeah. off the road, away from the street light. Yeah, he's out in the dark in and the this woods. This thing possibly has lured me down here to kill me or, or whatever.
0: So he's never seen a creature like this. And and not knowing what this creature is going to do, not knowing what to expect out of it, he climbs right back up the road. Right, right. He climbs right back up the slope to the road and just starts hightailing at home.
1: Now- he also describes it, again, all of them kind of, if you compare the tails, there's a lot of similarities. But he says this, this head is so grossly oversized that it's like its neck almost can't support it. So like its head, I can almost yeah. imagine kind of flopping around, you know, kind of tilting as he's twisting his head and, and, and examining
0: him. Yeah, he he hightails it up the street till he gets to the intersection of Farm Street. And there are a couple in a passing car pick him up and drive him home. Because he
1: is so startled, he runs out kind of in front of him. Yeah, like well, and
0: then I also feel that that tells you the difference in time frame, too. Because if oh, I yeah. was a teenage kid, I would not be... Hey, look at this creepy guy that just ran up over the side yeah, of the street. I wouldn't be you trying ride? to snag a ride with strangers. I just got my girlfriend in and, here. You can ride in the back. <laughs> and again, it's a small town. Maybe they knew each other. So, you know, anything's possible, I suppose. Now, the final sighting.
1: Now, hold on. Now, Bill makes some sketches here as well.
0: Well, yeah, well, that's going to... That'll come after the next sighting. Okay. So the final sighting is that of 15-year-old Abby Brabham. So she claimed to see the creature the following night on Springdale Avenue. She was riding in Will Trainter's car when she saw a creature on the side of the road. And her description that she provided matched that of Bartlett and Baxter, except for this time, she said the eyes glowed green. green. Now, the investigators tried to poke holes in her story when they did investigate it, uh, stating, hey you know bartlett said this creature had orange eyes but she stood by her story like when i saw it it had green eyes Mm -hmm. now like you said all the witnesses drew sketches of the creature
1: yes uh, there was a lot of similarities but where i really wanted to take this was the the eye glow if you will in the the first story that was of william bill bartlett he described orange eyes then we have john baxter who in pursuit, which he was brave there for a few moments, dove down off the <laughs> road, uh, down into kind of the forest area. He described red eyes. And then, as you stated, Abby uh, Brabham was very adamant to the officials and cops that, it, no, it had green eyes. Now, I don't know how much listeners out there know about glow, but I was raised on a farm. I was raised out in the country. That That actually is a good piece of information. Because if we look at the eye glow, uh, it occurs with some animals due to the refraction of light. Uh, Some of these animals, such as dogs, cats, raccoons, alligators, take in as much light as possible for nocturnal-like creatures for hunting, and that reflection, depending on the angle of the light and a lot of different things, but typically, if it glows yellow, it could be a bear, a great horned owl,
0: cattle. I believe wolves' eyes glow yellow.
1: Cat. Deer, bobcat, mountain lion, raccoons. A green glow can be a dog, sheep, bullfrogs, house cats, or possums. A white glow is deer. Again, you'll notice some of these. Again, kind of depends on the angle and stuff. can be multiples. Coyotes, elks, and tigers, where blue glows are often of a horse, dog. There this poor dog is. This dog is, is... Uh, multiple things, and woodchucks. Red glowing eyes can be a black bear. Different bears can even actually have different eye glows. I was not aware of that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Alligators, river otters, (laughs) rabbits, porcupines, or gray foxes. Now, humans, I don't know about you, but uh, I grew up in the age of Polaroid cameras, and I can't tell you how many of my ancestors I saw with demonic red eyes in these Polaroid (laughs) pictures used to creep me out it was like is my is my family vampires or are they demons what's what's going on here it kind of scared me a little bit but again we have one that's a red eye one that's an orange eye and one that's a green eye besides a dog they can kind of overlap into several things but what he is describing it does travel on four legs you might say okay it's a dog there's no mention of a tail in any of the settings which some dogs have their tails removed but an oversized head that doesn't really match any no, normal dog breed. So there was some speculation. There was mention of no hair, possibly a dog that had mange. Then some would stretch out and say, "Okay, well maybe it was a fox. Maybe it was just you know uh, a, a creature that's normally there but has mange." But you made a point: the tentacle type fingers. No
0: dog. Yeah, no, that's, has that's very unusual. Anything.
1: So that led us to the next conclusion. Uh, some of the scientists believed it could have been a monkey, a primate of some sort that had escaped as a pet or uh, from a zoo. Now you may think that's pretty far-fetched. We talk about Dover. Uh, snowfall is one of the things it's known for, obviously, winter. Monkeys are not going to survive there. But in some of our other podcasts, the Jonestown Massacre, he even went around and sold pet monkeys in the 70s, door-to-door.
0: I have I have referenced here that one of the possible explanations was a pet gibbon, but again they they were illegal to own at the time. So so there there's a lot of
1: speculation, but I I at least wanted to shine a little light on the eye glow, if we will. That was some interesting scientific stuff.
0: One of the most common explanations that people used at the time was that of a baby moose. I think using the size of the head, if you saw a moose head on. Uh, Now people who know things which is a phrase that I like to use, they point out that one, it was the wrong time of year for baby moose sightings, and two, Massachusetts, it's well outside of normal moose territory. Yes. So why would they have had a baby moose roaming around? And
1: again, tentacle-like fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and it actually, I do want to go back to this rock wall that at least in two of the sightings that was spotted, one of them, very specifically stated it was climbing on the side of a rock wall now um, i
0: i didn't see that
1: i did not take it to the fact it was climbing on top of the rock wall but it like climbed along the side so yeah, yeah a moose dog yeah that ain't gonna
0: happen and again with the the fingers grabbing the way they do almost maybe chameleon like you know where yeah could just kind of adhere to anything chameleon lizard like now, you talked about the sketches. They they All the witnesses did provide sketches, and their sketches were pretty well identical, uh, and they all swore by them. Bill Bartlett actually wrote right on his sketch, I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. So he was very much like, I swear I saw this. Now, if you, you go by each siding and you plot them on a map, they lay on a, on a straight line over a two-mile span over those two nights.
1: I bet this goes back to the river aspect you were talking
0: about. That is going to come up in a moment. Okay. I am going to reference that. That is important. Now, there are two other possible sightings of the Dover Demon. Oh. Now, Dover, like you said, was kind of a quiet place, was known to have some strange experiences, but really not a lot of well-documented things. But there was a sighting. 1972, five years before, a Mark Sinnott swore he saw a creature in the woods. Uh, he was driving along, and something with glowing eyes was illuminated in his car's headlights. He didn't quite make out too much about it. He said it was a small figure deep in the woods, moving at the edge of the pond. We could see it moving in the headlights. We, we didn't know. So again, you, you've got another, it's a small creature, glowing eyes, along the edge of the pond. Near a water source. Near a water source. And then Bill Bartlett, about a year later, 1978, said he was parked with his girlfriend when they heard a thump on the car. And when they looked around to see what it was, he could see a small humanoid figure fleeing the scene. He couldn't make out any details. He didn't want to say for sure it was the demon again. It didn't exactly match what he had seen back in 77, but it wasn't like, you know, he, he, he didn't think it was human. Possibly two other sightings. Now, I kept talking about the connection to water and how that was going to be important. We said earlier that this, was it a baby moose? Was it an escaped monkey? Was it a dog and mu- mutant? You know, is it a hoax? Maybe, maybe. But the the Cree people have in their traditions and their folklore a a a creature they describe as very similar, known as the Managishi. Now the Managishi is a, a, a race of trickster people. In in the Cree tradition there were two peoples on Earth. There was the Cree, you know, human beings.
1: And of course you're talking Native American yes. tribe, yes.
0: And then there was the Managishi, which were trickster peoples, and they really liked to mess with human beings, or the Cree. Now, they were described as semi-humanoid, uh, six-dactylous, which sounds a lot worse than it really is. It simply <laughs> means six-fingered. Oh, okay. Uh, six-fingered humans. They just called that them humans. That
1: didn't go where I thought it was going to
0: go. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I, I I made sure to look up the word because I thought I knew <laughs> what it meant. wanted to be right. Uh, they are very thin with lanky arms and legs with big heads and no noticeable nose.
1: I'm envisioning almost like Lord of the Rings Gollum.
0: Well, big head, no nose. I mean, it does sound like our demon. Yeah, yeah. Now, the reason this is attached to, the reason the water is involved is the Cree say that the Managishi are said to live between rocks and rapids, and one of their primary delights is to crawl out of the rocks and capsize the canoes of people that are canoeing in the rapids, spinning them off to their deaths. Now, again, we talked about the river. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about the pond. Mm -hmm. All sightings of the Dover Demon were somewhere close to the river or that pond. All sightings were near water. So according to the tradition of the Manigishi, you know, the Manigishi reside in water. Now, we probably do a lot less canoeing than we did back in the the days of the, you know, when, when things were more wild. So that little guy can't come out and spin your, your boat out of He's whack. He's had to go to the roads now. Yeah, maybe he can you know, freak you out enough that you spin your car out of whack. So
1: Now, another thing that was brought up, uh, the faceless features, if you will, besides the eyes, there was no nose, as you mentioned, no mouth, at least that was visible.
0: No, the sketches don't show a mouth at all.
1: So that was kind of weird. And, you know, and one might say, well, again, if, if you imagine this kind of bulbula uh, cone shape on the elongated head. Maybe the mouth is up underneath that you just can't visibly see, but obviously this thing has got to eat something somehow.
0: Yeah. There's no picture of the Dover demon has a mouth. on. No it. ears, theory. at least that almost uh, like, like this one picture here, which was, I believe taken from the lost tapes television show. It almost looks like the alien from, um, independence day when they crack open the, the armor, oh, and you yeah, the little yeah. it yeah. kind of looks like that. Yeah. But yeah, like all the pictures show the fingers curled around, the toes curled around, like it's holding on. Like you said, featureless, big eyes, but no nose, no mouth.
1: Well, I wasn't aware of the sightings, you know, a year later or the one before, but uh, the essential three sightings took place in a uh, 48-hour period. Yeah. And, you know, it was around the Easter timeframe. So it wasn't tragically cold or anything at that point in time, but that kind of... uh, at least on my research, kind of was indicative that whatever it was didn't belong here, and it probably died off. It is something that maybe it escaped, uh, whether it be a a mangy monkey or, you know, whatever it might be.
0: I like the idea of the managishi.
1: I was not aware of that, but that kind of checks several of the boxes, honestly. And, you know, we've done a lot of cryptozoology stuff here on the podcast, and often the Native Americans has the earliest sightings if we know to go back and look for it
0: well i know to go back to the early days of the podcast one of the possible connections somebody compared them to the the hopkinsville goblins Mm -hmm. but of of course the hopkinsville goblins did wear a a silver uniform and you know they were associated with the ufo as we talked about this one he's nakey nakey yeah this guy is not wearing clothes no ufos which is why i like the managishi explanation more than anything because there is no ufo sighting like even with chupacabras occasionally there's ufo sightings this guy was out there on his own so maybe he was just out there well you
1: brought that up on on early in the podcast and i thought it was also odd at a glance of this sketch i mean it looked like a, a gray alien why is there like zero connection to a ufo or that this could be an alien that that seems really out of place i mean I'll I'll say this, you know, Bill and I have talked and, you know, which one of us is more the believer and the doubter and, you know, but seriously, if if you're going to have a tale that you concoct or is a real life, why wouldn't you reach out to that avenue and say, well, this could also not be a mangy monkey, but it could have been an alien with the UFO. I mean, this is the 70s. As you said, Star Wars was coming out in this year. So. I don't know. That seemed really strange to me that there was like, seriously, I didn't find any mention that this could be an alien, a UFO,
0: anything. Well, like we said, we got to give credit to John Baxter for chasing it through the woods a little bit. Oh, yeah. Before giving up, because I wouldn't have done that. Dude didn't even
1: have a car to retract back to. I mean, he just out there walking and I'm going to chase this thing.
0: I mean, to to tell something of a similar story and, and why I absolutely could tell you I wouldn't do this. A friend and I had there was a sinkhole not too far from Dixon, Missouri, and uh, it was a very beautiful like place to kind of sit up on the rim and look. It was big, you know, so you could look across and there was, you know, trees and stuff. You'd be looking down on the tops of trees and him and I used to go out there from time to time and hike around. And one night we got out there and we're sitting on the edge of the sinkhole and we're talking. And mind you, at the edge, there's no trees. It's just kind of an overhang. So we're just kind of sitting there, you know. Uh, and we lost track of time. It started to get dark. And, you know, under the cover of trees, it gets darker before it does anywhere else. Right. So, to us, it was still plenty bright out. But as we turned around, we're immediately like, you know, the forest is dark. And, you know, I'm not saying creepy, I'm a creepy, scary, scary, big old chicken or anything. But I was like, well, okay, that's kind of, you know, I've been in the dark woods before. Let's Let's head back to your car, dude. So. Now, the friend I was with had a katana on him, which I say only because it <laughs> you makes have the
1: coolest friends. It, Bill. it
0: makes the story funny. <laughs> um, so we take about two steps, and there must have been something watching us as we were watching, you know, over over the sinkhole. As we took about two steps, and something made a whole lot of noise as it decided it didn't want to be there anymore and took off into the woods. Now, in an action so fast that I'm not sure how I didn't get hurt, my buddy's katana was out. And, like, carving trees down before I knew what was going on. He was ready to kill whatever was coming at us, which I thought it was pretty clear whatever it was was going away from us. But, hey, whatever. <laughs> and he, oh, I, I, I don't know how I didn't get cut, but he's hacking at the trees and whatnot. It's like I one mean, of those late-night Japanese yeah.
1: knife sushi commercials. <laughs> and then he,
0: <laughs> then he puts his sword away, you know, and we, we make our way to his car. And, of course, this this guy believed in everything. He saw... All, all the things that nobody else saw. He had a lot of experiences. I could do an entire episode just relating his story. <laughs> he, he had so many encounters. But as we got back to his car, which was parked on a gravel road, we got back up to the paved road because we didn't even go to his car. Like his car, going to his car meant walking through so much more forest to get to the gravel road that we made a straight uh-uh. line for the, the main road. And then we walked along the main road back to his car. And as we after we got to his car, we got back on the main road and was passing. He swears he saw something in the tree line, about the place where we stepped out. So I don't know what it was, but I'll tell <laughs> you right now, it wasn't even fully dark, and I wasn't stepping into those woods. You know what I mean? This guy saw something and was like, "Let me get a better look at that," and chased it down in this ravine, and then realized, "Hey, you know, maybe I don't this want to is, chase." This is probably this not thing.
1: my best decision I've made this evening.
0: So. I I do appreciate your comment about having the the coolest. Oh, absolutely. I've got some weird stories from, from, from that frame of my life. I do have a lot of weird stories, but again, it was, I'm not going to go chasing after some critter in the woods at night without a weapon, especially. I mean, we've done some amateur ghost hunts, you and I, Mm -hmm. and some of those have been outdoors. Mm -hmm. And even then, you know, I love your
1: brother and sister (laughs) to death, but when they (laughs) locked the doors that night at the cemetery, I never
0: will forget that. Well, again, your nerves are, are so on edge that, yeah, when strangers pull up, and I'll admit it was funny, but, you know. When you when you guys heard the doors lock and I'm like, oh gosh, like what the heck?
1: Yeah, for those of you who hadn't heard the story, briefly, <laughs> uh, we were out at a local cemetery doing a paranormal ghost hunt that night, and uh, we were being very respectful. I mean, there we didn't even have alcohol or anything. We we were as, as legit as legit could be with recorders and some lights and cameras, and we were out there, and we got some orbs and some different things. Well, sure enough, we were kind of up on a hill, and so you had a a, a relatively good view, and here come these. Yeah, headlights. We drew a little attention. And you could, I mean, there was no like highway getting here. It was a dirt road at best or across we, the field. We felt
0: we were at a dead end too, even.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they're coming here. There's nowhere else to go yeah. here. They're coming for us. And, um, I think there was about at least six, not maybe not eight of us. Cause Mark oh, was, was there
0: as well. Me, uh, my brother and sister, you, Tim, Mark. Yep. And Tim I'm was there. Sure Sarah was there. Yep. Sarah yeah, so there's like seven of us there.
1: And, uh, we had just heard this god awful sound. That honestly, if you don't know what a fox during mating <laughs> season sounds like, it's creepy. And so all of us were a bit on edge. And I was like, No, no, that's what that was. It was, a, you know, that was a fox. It's, it's cool. Well, here comes this truck, kind of bouncing up through the field. <laughs> and Bill's brother and, and sister love you to death. Immediately, just we turned around and they were like gone. A- and you see the well, doors, the car doors opening.
0: Okay, to minor correction part of the lore of the location was that if you were in a car you could get different reactions than the people outside the car so we started in the car we never got out of the car okay okay and we had i think we had a recorder and we had a emf okay reader with us so we were trying to get a reaction in the car well the
1: funny point is as the truck pulls up and it's the owners (laughs) of the land two two farmers i mean rifles shotguns in the back of the window kind of persona you hear Chuk, 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 yeah. chuk. i mean and the car is like and it's like
0: really <laughs> just leave us out here to fend for ourselves come on i remember it seemed like Tim was was very not happy not happy about not that. happy tim which you know again it was it's a funny story it but is looking back on it. yeah i mean again it, like i said though you're you're out at night you're you're uncomfortable you're out of your element yep there's a reason people have a fair a fear of the dark so
1: you can hear a cow mooing and it's it's different when you're out there in the dark. I mean yeah. it's like, "Oh, did you hear that?" Yeah, it was cow, dude. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> okay, since we're we're reminiscing just a little bit, we had gone to a place that my friends, you know, affectionately called the cabin, which was an abandoned house. We were absolutely trespassing, but we were walking back one day and we heard this god awful noise from somewhere in the woods. And oh man, I mean, the idea was this place was supposed to be haunted and we were already kind of living edge. up to expectations. And then we hear this noise off in the woods, and we were like, okay, we got to hightail it back to the car. Well, as we got closer and closer to the car, I guess we got closer to the sound of the noise. So the closer Ooh. we got to the car, the more we were like, okay, we need to slow down. And But the more, the, the closer we got to the, the origin, the more it was obvious that this was a cow in distress, which I figure time of year it was probably a cow birthing. birthing. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, it'd be, we were like, oh my God, what kind of demon is chasing us through these woods? <laughs> so again you're out in the woods I mean I, I give credit to that kid for chasing that thing because I certainly wouldn't have been able to
1: I feel sorry for the little guy myself I mean the, the Dover demon you had to
0: use the word demon well you know I didn't use the word I mean somebody else come up with that name did he really hurt me. anybody he didn't have any demons
1: he didn't attack anybody he, he watched ran. some
0: people and he ran when he was approached yeah. so the closest he get got was maybe he's you know when he hit bill's car that one night yeah you know, a year later.
1: I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel fair to me that he was well, described when, as the what, Dover.
0: What demon. else? Are, what? The Dover. The Dover visitor. The Dover visitor. Okay. So I we, think we need to write Dover,
1: Massachusetts. And, we, and, and we just
0: Massachusetts. renamed him the Dover visitor tonight. The, the it Dover sounds visitor. better. It does. Demon, demon makes him sound bad. He really didn't do anything. It
1: demonizes him. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. All right, we've rambled on long enough. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed one of the little less-known tales of uh, cryptids, the Dover Demon. Thanks so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout-out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, Lebanon, Missouri. It's your one stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for again supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I
0: want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record it in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in
1: turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh terms uh the final edition if you will
0: um and i'd like to thank all of you for continuing to to listen i know we've got some loyal followers out there we do this as a labor of love but we're we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do
1: thank you very much